0: I want to talk about the calling of the Lord today, and um, I think it's applicable to everybody. Have you ever thought about that? The calling of God on your life. That God has called you not only to come and follow Him, but He's called you for a specific purpose and even a task that He wants to give you. And how do you recognize and respond to the call of the Lord? And I know people that have ignored the call of the Lord or they don't want to hear God calling them I've never thought of anybody that said you know um i i I wanted to be a uh I really wanted to be a preacher but God called me to be an orthodontist i never I never hear that you know but I have heard you know i i I became, uh, you know, I had this calling. I was in this career and I had this calling to come and follow God and to change my life completely. I've always heard that one. But nobody goes kicking and screaming to be an orthodontist. I don't think so. But a lot of times we kick and scream thinking that God is calling us. And what would happen if he called us? What happened if we responded to that call from God? Well... If you were to take a survey of people, men and women in the Bible, that God calls to have them come and follow him, there's very different circumstances that they're in when God calls them. And he calls them and leads them, but there are some similarities about all of them. And I want want us to look at those today, because I believe that every Christian has a calling from the Lord. The more you understand your calling, the greater your sense of purpose and usefulness in God's kingdom will be. If you understand the calling of God on your life, the greater your sense of purpose and usefulness will be. Every Christian has a calling on your Lord. You say, but Al, no, 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 that's just missionaries and pastors. That's the only people that God calls. No, no, no. God calls everyone. Everyone has a calling on their life. And now it's not the same, but everybody has a calling. You know that famous verse that we always always quote? We like this verse. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. But you know what the second part? And are called according to His purpose. Everything works together for good... To those that love God and are called according to his purpose. So there is a calling on every believer. And as we respond to that, we discover the will of God. Now I want to look at a few people that had this calling on their life. Now one of them would be uh, Moses here. Moses, in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, was once the adopted prince of Egypt. You know the story. He tries to do things his own way save his Jewish family and his, his people by taking control of a situation. He sees somebody being mistreated, he intervenes, he murders the Egyptian, and then he has to run for his life. And for 40 years, he lives out in the wilderness as a shepherd. But then when he's out there in the wilderness as a shepherd, God appears to him and there's a burning bush. And the bush is on fire, but it's not burned up. And the manifest presence of God is there. And then Moses is told to take off his sandals, for this is holy ground. And then he has this conversation with the living God. And at that moment, when Moses understands the holiness of God and the call of God on his life, he is called to embrace courage and leave fearfulness behind. He's called to be a man of faith. And to leave unbelief. He's called to act on what God says and not be complacent. The call of God is so important in each of our lives. To hear him speak to us. And Moses is changed as he follows that calling step by step. You see a dramatic change in who this man becomes. One of the greatest leaders of all time. I think of Elijah... Elijah is another guy right here. Elijah, who valiantly stands up against 850 false prophets of Baal and Asherah at Mount Carmel. He calls down fire from heaven. He has a contest. Who is really God? Is it Baal? Is it Asherah? Or is it the living God? And he says, bring all your people together. Bring all the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Come here. We'll have this contest Whosoever God brings down fire from heaven and burns up the sacrifice, then we'll know that person is God. And so he gives Baal and his prophets to go first. And all day and all night they're calling down fire from heaven and nothing happens. Elijah says, okay, let's pour water on the sacrifice. And he fills up the sacrifice, pours so much water on it that it's, the trench is filled with water. It's soaked. And then he just prays one prayer, and fire comes down from heaven. And you know the story. What happens is that uh, the prophets of Baal, the people turn against the prophets of Baal, and they destroy them. And Queen Jezebel and King Ahab, they they realize what has happened, and Queen Jezebel says, I'm going to come, and I'm going to kill you, Elijah. If I find you, I will kill you. Threatens his life. And Elijah, even though he has this strong calling of God to do God's will, he runs and he's discouraged. So I want to tell you this. Even if you have received a calling from God, you know you're calling from God, there can be times when you become overwhelmed with life circumstances. You get discouraged. And like Elijah, we run away in fear. Elijah runs all night long and... Um, For many, many days, he ends up at another mountain and then God appears. And it says that God sends this wind, but he's not in the wind. Then he sends an earthquake that shakes the mountain. He's not in the earthquake. And then after the earthquake comes a fire, but God's not in the fire. And then he hears a gentle whisper, a still, small voice. And God says, what are you doing here? what are you doing here and i think there's times when god appears and manifests his presence in a very powerful way and there's other times god calls us in a very still small voice and for elijah this was a turning point in his life because then god gave him instructions on what to do next and he followed those instructions He heard the calling of the Lord again in his life. And then the last picture here is Peter. He's a fisherman. This is from the New Testament. It's when Jesus was walking the earth. Peter has fished all night. He's discouraged. He's frustrated. His business is not doing well. As a fisherman, he's lost almost everything. And Jesus says, put out a ways a little bit further. Peter, go out to... Go out in the water and throw your nets on the other side. Peter says, Jesus, I've been fishing all night. We haven't caught anything. There's no way in the middle of the day we're going to catch something now. But he goes ahead and he does. He listens to what Jesus says. And Peter brings up the nets and he calls all the other fishermen around him. Please help, help, because I can't haul up this much Fish and they load the boat, and the boat begins to sink. And so they put it onto the other boats, and they share this huge catch of fish. And then Peter runs out, he climbs out of the boat, goes to to Jesus' feet, clings on to his feet, and he says, Lord, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Peter understands something. He understands under the manifest presence when God appears in all His glory as he saw what Jesus had did for him and he listened to Jesus, he understood he was in the presence of God and he humbled himself before the Lord. You think about it. It's Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Joshua, Samuel, David, Daniel, Mary and Joseph, Mary Magdalene even. Peter and the Apostles, they all heard the call of God and it changed their lives. If you're taking notes, there's just an outline here that I'd like you to think about. First of all, in the calling of the Lord, it's the presence of God is manifest in our lives. And it's manifest in such a way that we understand not only that a circumstance happened, but that God brought about the circumstance or the situation or his presence. And it defines some of his holiness and his love for us in our life. That's very important. Because people can always say, you know, oh, I believe God was in that. And it makes no difference in the rest of their life. They just chalk it up to, yeah, you know, God did something back then for me. I remember that. But it hasn't changed their life at all. Why? Because they didn't go any further. Because the next thing that God does is He reveals His holiness and that we need His forgiveness. We need to humble ourselves before Him because we know that we're sinful and we're inadequate without God. And then it's our response. Our response is so important after we understand God loves us and He forgives us, what's our next response? That is so important in understanding the call of God on your life. So let's look at Isaiah's life, because I want to spend a few weeks in the book of Isaiah. God manifests His presence to, uh, to Isaiah. And it's in the year that King Uzziah died. And that's a very important thing to understand. It was in the year that a king of Judah had just died. Now, Uzziah was a very good king. He started out as a very good king. He brought reforms and he brought revival. But as towards the end of his uh, reign, he began to depend less and less upon God and more and more upon other armies or himself because he saw the Assyrian army was gaining strength that had already destroyed the northern kingdom of Israel and now it was coming to his kingdom. And so, uh, Uzziah tried to take control of the entire situation. He runs into the temple and he tries to burn incense. He tries to find out from God what's going on or to appease God or get God's blessing. And it was something that he should never have done because he was a king. He was not a priest. And so he oversteps his bounds. Tries to take things into his own hands. Kind of like Moses. He ends up with leprosy. He never repents of his sin. He dies a a frustrated old king with a disease, mad at God, mad at the situation, and it turns his whole life in a different direction. In that year, the year that King Uzziah dies, when the army of the Assyrians is coming in, Isaiah gets this call from God. Do you know that sometimes the call of God will come at your life at a very pivotal point in your life? It did for Isaiah. It did for the nation of Israel. It did for for many people in the Bible. It comes at a time when we need to make a decision for God to follow him in a deeper way than we ever have before. But the thing is that Isaiah, he sees the Lord. I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. In Isaiah, it's very interesting that the king dies, but then Isaiah sees a king above all kings. And it's the Lord. You see, when we're living in times of uncertainty, even in our world today, whether it's the uncertainty of what's going on politically in our country, what's going on economically in the world, what's going on environmentally, globally, what's going on in Hong Kong, what's going on in China, what's going on wherever, there's uncertainty all around us. And Isaiah said, I saw the Lord in my uncertainty. He was high and exalted and he was seated on the throne. And the train of his robe filled the temple. That means the very hem of God's robe, the very end of the robe, filled the temple. And so many people in Israel thought, well, God lives in the temple. And Solomon said, Nothing can, no building can contain the glory of God. And what Isaiah was saying was, just the hem of God's robe was filling the temple. <clears throat> and then above him were seraphim, each with six wings. The two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying and they were calling to one another, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty. And they were, the whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. I mean, Isaiah was taken back at the glory and the presence of God. And you know what I want to say to us? Is sometimes, sometimes God wants to reveal more. Of Himself to us. And at times that means that we have to look to Him in a deeper way than we ever have. For Isaiah, He did that, and it made all the difference in how He lived His life from then on. And when God says, the angels were crying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They were proclaiming God's power and his holiness in such a way that Isaiah understood it in such a way that he became undone. The Bible says, Woe is me, he cried, I'm ruined from I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah, when he sees this vision and the manifest presence of God, the only thing he can do is humble himself and cry out, Woe is me. Compared to God's holiness, I'm a sinful man. The same thing that happened to Moses. The same thing that happened to Elijah. The same thing that happened to Peter. The same thing that happened to Isaiah. They bow down and they say, God, I'm dependent. On you to forgive me and to cleanse me of my sin, to hear the call of God in our lives, one of the things that we is a prerequisite is that we are, have to be seeking the holiness and the love of God more than anything else in our life. And then God begins. To open up our eyes and our understanding at what he wants from us in our lives. I remember my brother uh, coming back from college and he says to me, Al, I really know who Jesus is. And I thought, you know, it really bothered me. It bothered me that my brother, who used to be this guy that was, you know, always going to parties, always living the free, wild life as a college student, all of a sudden came back and he said, I'm going to church, I'm reading the Bible, I know who Jesus is. It's like, what are you you, going to become a priest? What's going on? And it really bothered me because he started to listen to Christian music and I thought, man, that's the lousiest music I've ever heard. It annoys me. And then he started reading the Bible. And I tried to read the Bible. I didn't understand it. And I said, Mike, this is not for me. It was almost like I was was angry. I was upset. I had no idea of my own sinfulness. That wasn't what was going on in my life. It was, I'm angry at my brother for his appeared holiness. And it's exactly the opposite of what happens with Isaiah. He sees the holiness of God. He sees the greatness of God. And he's humbled. Well, it wasn't just a few months later that I actually saw the holiness and the greatness of God and I humbled myself and I became a Christian and I heard the call of God on my life. But I want to tell you that sometimes, sometimes when we share what God has been doing in our lives, some people will scratch their heads. They don't understand about the call of God on your life. In fact, they might even just be sarcastic or even angry with you. But this is the key. What happens to Isaiah is even in his sinfulness, even in his brokenness, God comes to him. He says, and God comes to him and His forgiveness is understood. One of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which had taken from the tongs of the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Isaiah's sin was taken away, was covered through this act of God using the angel to touch his lips with a live coal. Now, I'm glad that's not how God takes away our sin. Today, right? Who wants their mouth burned with a live coal? But it was symbolism of what God was doing. I'm taking the sacrifice, the thing that has burned up the sacrifice, I'm taking it and I'm touching you and I'm cleansing you. And for then, Isaiah understood that his sin was forgiven and was taken away. You know, I always talk to people and I say, and we're talking about baptism, you know, the prerequisite for baptism is to understand that your sin has been forgiven, that it's been taken away. The next step is then to get baptized and to show and to proclaim that you belong to Jesus Christ. And a lot of people will say, you know, I'm just not ready to take that step. I'm not ready to take that step. And the reason may be is because we don't understand The forgiveness that God has for us based on the cross. The forgiveness is based on what Jesus has done for us and our response to that. And it's so important when we understand that and then we take that step of baptism, we are stepping into the calling that God has for us. That's one of the ways that you can step into the calling that God has for you. But if we don't take that step and we put it off, a lot of times we're not moving forward into the things that God has called us to do. Isaiah understands. He understands. He responds to God. And this is what he does. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here I am. Send me. Isaiah was saying that after this experience, the Hebrew word actually means here I am says, it actually is a word that says, yo, here I am. (laughs) It actually says that. You thought that was an urban term. It's not. Isaiah said it first. It was like, Lord, I'm ready. Send me. I'm yours. Everything I am and everything I'm not, I surrender You've got me God, I'm sold out to you. Isaiah shows a willingness to adjust his life, his schedule, his future to God's plan, and God takes him up on his offer. and God always does the same with you and I. He always does the same thing with you and I. You know when we think of Isaiah's calling, we usually stop at verse eight and we say, "And who will go with us and, he, and, and uh, who, will, who will go for us? And I said, here I am, said me. But verse 9 is so important as well because Isaiah's calling was so clear and so profound and so real to him. But yet, he still faces opposition in his calling. And this is where a lot of people get discouraged when they think they hear God has called them. They begin to step out in faith And then they get a setback. Something happens. And they immediately think, God is not for me anymore. I must have did something wrong. Why didn't that turn out? And that's what's confusing about the call of the Lord. The call of the Lord is to give you courage in the midst of adversity. It's to give you faith When you feel the doubt. And that's why it's so important to understand the call of God on your life. Isaiah understands that. Verse 90 said, God responds to him, okay, go and tell this people. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull, close their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. And what God is calling Isaiah to do, he's calling him to a life of speaking God's truth and giving his message to other people, and most of the people will not listen to it. That's a tough tough calling. When you are called to do something... And people don't understand what that is and even become calloused or hardened towards the things of God. Do you know that this verse of Isaiah is the most often quoted in the New Testament? Why? Because the Apostle Paul and others, the other Apostles, were sharing the gospel and people were resisting the calling of the Lord on their lives. And when they resisted the calling of the Lord on their lives, their hearts became calloused and hardened. And this is what's so important too about the calling of the Lord. If you continually resist the calling of the Lord in your life, your heart becomes more calloused. It can become more harder and it's harder to hear the calling of the Lord the next time He calls. I'm not saying that you're finished or over. But you keep on resisting that calling, and life actually becomes harder for you. And then Isaiah says, okay, Lord, I'll do it. But for how long? How long are you going to have me in this calling? And he answers... Until the cities lie ruined without inhabitant, until the houses are left deserted and the fields are ruined and ravaged, until the Lord has set everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. Wow. Isaiah lived in a time when the judgment of God was coming on a nation of Judah. He was living in a very difficult time. I think we're living in times when Jesus Christ is soon to come back. Things that are not always getting better. And we see signs of this time now. And we are not to be fearful people. We are to be people that still hold on to the promise of God. I don't know. You know, I thought when I was 18 that the Lord was going to come back by the time I was 40. Uh, obviously, I'm older than that now. He hasn't come back. But my wife and I were, you know, saying, oh, won't it be great to go to the rapture together, you know, and, I don't know if the Lord's going to come back in my time, in my lifetime. But I do know that the things that happen in this world and the tragedies that happen that can happen all around us, those are just part of life. Those are part of living in a fallen world. We're living in a time, in a a day and age where things are happening and prophetically, there's things that are being fulfilled prophetically that Isaiah wrote about 700 years ago, uh, 2,700 years ago, 700 years before Christ came. And so we see the fulfillment of prophecy, and so we know that we're living in a time similar to what Isaiah was living in, where some people are going, a lot of people are going to resist the message of the gospel, And he says, although a tenth remains in the land, it will be again be laid waste. But the terebinth and the oak leave stumps. And when they are cut down, so the holy seed will be a stump in the land. He's saying that things are going to be cut down. But out of that stump, there's still life. And he says, keep on, be faithful to the end. So God gives Isaiah this calling to be faithful to the very end of his life. And he does it. Isaiah, this book Isaiah wrote, many Bible scholars consider this one of the most important books in the whole Old Testament. It's 66 chapters. The first 39 mirror the Old Testament, which has 39 books in it. The next 27 chapters up to, uh, Chapter 66, they mirror the New Testament because they talk all about Jesus Christ and his ministry. But he wrote it 700 years before Jesus was born. So it's a miracle that in the writings of Isaiah are so many prophecies that have already been fulfilled in Jesus Christ and many more that are going to be fulfilled that talks about Jesus Christ's return, the Messiah's return and set up of his kingdom here on earth. I'm so glad Isaiah answered the call on his life and was faithful to do what God had called him to do. Because it's still impacting us today. It's still impacting the world. In fact, Jesus quoted from Isaiah. He would speak from the prophet's words. So God was working all things together for good to those that love him and are called. According to his purpose. And you and I, we're called. We're called by God. Now, do you understand your calling? And if you don't understand your calling, ask God to show you, God, what do you have for me in my life? So what are some action steps that you can do? First of all, all the people that were called by God, they came into his manifest presence. Meaning that God is everywhere, but when we bow down to pray, when we intentionally seek after God, He will manifest His presence to us. Sometimes it's a still, quiet voice. Sometimes it's through a vision. Sometimes, oftentimes, it's when we're reading God's Word. His ver- a verse or Scripture comes out and says, this is for you. This is a promise for you. This is how much I love you. And then when we're in his presence, we understand something. Man, I'm a sinner. I've blown it. I don't have what it takes to even answer this calling. But understand God's forgiveness and grace. And then listen and understand. Apply what God has spoken to you and your calling in your life. And then follow that calling and respond to him. It's simple, but yet it's profound. And it's sometimes kind of difficult to do if we don't have His strength and His grace and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It's really impossible to do. But I want to tell you, just like Isaiah, if we're faithful to answer God's call, even in the little things... God will open up more and more for us, more and more ways to respond to him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. And Lord, we uh, do not want to be presume upon your grace and your mercy over our lives we want to humble ourselves before you in your presence we want your manifest presence here in our lives so that we could understand and know what you're calling us to we know you're calling us to yourself but then you've also have uh, things for us that you want us to do in this world and so lord would you continue To speak into our lives. Continue to lead us and guide us and direct us. So, Lord, we can be like Isaiah and be faithful to the very end. To begin and to finish well. And, Lord, would you have your way in our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.